Good afternoon. We want to welcome you to Coffee and Conversation, our regular Friday podcast. Um, it's 20 minutes or so of your time, just enough time to pour a cup of coffee or cup of tea, have a sit-down conversation with some friends. So for those of you I haven't met, my name is Jeff Harris. I'm the County and District Superintendent of Schools. And joining us today is Dr. Warren Raywald, the Public Health Officer for Dunlort County. So Warren, welcome. Thank you, Jeff. Good to be here. Hey, well, I, you're a busy guy these days. I am. <laughs> I but I'm glad to take some time today. <laughs> and that's probably an understatement, you know. So, um, Warren, let's just dive into it. You know, um, where are we right now in our community with, um, with COVID-19, with precautions that are in place? Um, and has it been, I'll just say, has it been as bad as you thought it would be? Yeah, that's a good place to start. So I think uh, we've been lucky up until the last couple of weeks because we haven't really seen COVID-19 in full form. And by that, I mean, we had a few cases that we identified kind of connected to the time period, roughly the last week in March, first week in April. Um, and after that, we had pretty much nothing. And now we have some new activity, a new level of activity and so we see a big jump in our case numbers, but I think what we're really seeing for the first time is true community transmission in, within our county. I think before we were under the effect of the statewide shelter in place order, which really shut down a lot of transmission up and down the state. And being as far away as we are from the centers of the state where a lot of this was going on, uh, we took advantage of that. You know, it was kind of an uh, unforeseen effect that we really have very little to next to nothing in terms of disease activity for a long time. Now we're starting to see the way it really is going to be. You know, this level of activity reflects um, cases moving through our community, some real transmission from household to household, uh, from work environment to work environment. This is kind of what we expect. So I think we're actually just kind of getting started right now. I think that those first few cases we had were kind of a knock on the door. Uh, mm -hmm. I think the disease has kind of found its way into the doorway of our community and we're seeing it in real time. So it's, it's a spooky sort of jump to see, but for us, it's more like this is kind of like what we have been expecting for a while. Now we just got to deal, deal with how to manage it. So, I mean, would it be, would, would it be safe to say that actually for our healthcare community, this actually helps? Right. It, it helps to be able to see something on a consistent basis, on maybe a little bit larger basis instead of not knowing. I think it does. You know, one of the things it does is it kind of sharpens the focus for everybody. And we we've been preaching this up and down that especially for healthcare providers, offices that that are trying to do healthcare services, they need to use precautions in a in a way that kind of captures everybody and kind of treats everybody the same way. So you know, we can't make any presumptions about anybody walking into the office for an appointment might not be sick or might not about to become sick. And the key takeaway that we're seeing with this first go round as we're investigating this is that a lot of people are, are asymptomatic. And what we're doing is, you know, a, lot, a big part of the numbers jump, maybe half or more of those numbers are people who reported positive after we asked them to go in and get tested. So mm -hmm. we're investigation we're finding contacts we're just we decide you know low medium high risk contact we're telling them you know you're high risk or medium risk and we think you should go in and get tested and lo and behold they're coming back positive 
and a lot of them are not having any symptoms at the time. And either that means they're just getting over it or they were just getting into it. They're just about to have symptoms or they just weren't feeling it at all. You know, and that's the thing that I think we're, we're learning the most that's most important is that that symptomatic person, a person who's in that two or three day window before they start feeling it, they can spread this virus. And the people who are asymptomatic, the ones who really don't feel it as anything distinguishable, say from allergies or something simple, they can spread this virus. So, you know, we're, we're trying to get that message home that people need to create that safe space around themselves, keep that social distance, wear a face covering, because you might be the one spreading the virus as you walk into a building. If you're, you've been exposed and you didn't know it and you're pre-symptomatic, you could be spreading virus. And the covering will help protect you a little bit too, at the very least. If, you know, if someone has their hands full because they're carrying shopping bags and all of a sudden they sneeze and they're not wearing a mask, uh, you don't want to walk into that cloud of virus that they just created. So <laughs> mask on is going to protect you. It doesn't offer 100% protection, but it's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. So we want to kind of get those messages home to people because uh, they're still true. And even more so now, because now we know we've got some community transmission. We've got some people walking around out there who may not know that they're sick. And if they don't know they're sick, they're not going to have any way of letting you know they're sick. So right. we'll need to be careful. Well, so Warren, let's talk a little bit more about masks because, you know, I mean, when, when this whole thing started, everybody rushed out and they bought every N95 mask they could find, whether they went to Home Depot or Amazon. Um, I remember the shelves were bare. <laughs> that's right. You know, they were worth their weight in gold or more. Um, so at this point, you know, we, we've gotten some guidance on what masks could look like, you know, with homemade masks and things like that. Can you kind of talk about your most recent guidance to the community and what people should be doing and how where, where they can find masks, if you know of any places um, that they may be available? Yeah, the reason we did the mask order uh, is we wanted to give a little more teeth to the idea that a, a business owner could take action to protect their customers from someone coming their business who wasn't masked or protect themselves, protect their employees. So we want to give them the option of refusing service and saying, look, look, buddy, we have a policy in our, our, our business here that people coming in have to wear a mask. And, and by making it an order, it gives it some legal authority. So that was one of the, the chief objectives. The other obvious objective is we, we've been promoting it as a good idea for months. I mean, we came out months ago with the idea that people should start wearing face coverings. Just to, if, and back then we were just using the idea that if for nothing else, it's a visual cue that people need to keep their distance. You know, you have, see someone in a mask, you, you tend to back away because, you know, they're wearing a mask, maybe they're sick. So, but now we've, we've got better data from a lot of different directions that there is a benefit to, to wearing a face covering to prevent transmission. Mostly it's thought to prevent that transmission I was just talking about, that asymptomatic spread of some virus as you're just breathing or talking. If you're sick and you don't know it you're, because you haven't started having symptoms or your degree of symptoms are so low that you're never gonna feel like you're sick, you're, wearing that face covering protects movement of that virus out of your mouth and nose into the environment. It doesn't eliminate it 100%, but it's reducing it. And that's the key thing we want people to do is reduce everybody's risk by by keeping something on your face. And, it, and it's really only the public setting that we're worried about. So when you're indoors in a public place, uh, a, a business that's open to the public or a, a, an office building, or you know, certainly a healthcare environment, someplace where 
we really want to restrict motion, movement of virus, we really want people to wear those masks. And so we made it as an order rather than just a recommendation this time. And I think we're going to leave it there. I, I, I can't stress it enough. I mean, some people talk about how it's an infringement of rights and things like that. My answer is, you know, nobody has a right to, to get drunk and go drive 90 miles down the, an hour down the freeway either. I mean, there are limits to what personal freedom really can, can mean. I think people are just not getting used to the idea that this is something that is being added on that really does make sense. It's kind of like no shirt, no shoes, no service. You know, now it's no shirt, no shoes, no, no mask, no service. It's kind of just one extra layer of, of people just having to protect each other and protect the community at large. Because you're, you're really doing this for other people as much as you're doing it for yourselves. And I think if people take that point of view, I don't think it's that hard of a burden. Now, having said that, there are people who really can't tolerate a mask, and we understand that. So when we put the order in, we, we made it clear that if people can't tolerate it, for whatever reason, uh, we're not making it a requirement for them. But for everyone else, we really want to encourage it. We, we, we just want it to happen because we think it's going to make a difference, especially now when we're relaxing all the other measures, the stay-at-home orders, the, you know, different pieces of it are being taken away, different businesses are, are being allowed to open up. That's when the, you know, making a difference of this person-to-person -person transmission really pays off the most. So now is the time to start wearing a mask, more than ever before. And, and we're going to stay with that message for, for the duration of this pandemic, as far as I can tell. Well, and I know some of the pushback that I've heard, too, is, well, if you're not wearing an N95 mask, it really doesn't matter anyway, because you're still able to transmit the virus. And, you know, one of the things that, that I've heard, and here, I'm not a healthcare professional, but um, we've heard is, you know, talking. It can be it can be transmitted through that vapor that comes out when you're when you're talking, especially if you're in very close proximity and a mask can limit the the, the travel distance of that. Um, the other thing you mentioned, you know, somebody sneezes or if they cough again, instead of projecting that four five, six feet away from the person, it's kind of limiting that, too. So um, it really is about limitation and and minimizing spread. It's not. I think we all understand that unless you're wearing a mask that's specifically designed to um, stop the travel of something as small as a virus, it's not going to do that, but it is going to help in other ways, right? Exactly. So people need to remember an N95 is really more designed to protect the wearer. So that's why it's worn by healthcare professionals, uh, hospital setting especially. They wear a face shield or goggles and they wear an N95 and they use a gown and gloves. They're, they're trying to stop anything landing on them or getting inside them that's gonna make them sick. The N95 out in the real world, it would be ideal for people who are super high risk who need to go out and, and go to their doctor or go get groceries or something like that, because that will protect them more than just wearing a cloth mask. The average facial cloth mask might only, it might be more like an N70, you know, perhaps 70% of it or maybe 60% of it. Um, so it's not as nearly as good as an N95, but the purpose is to reduce that, that droplet transmission, that sudden cough or sneeze that you can't control. Um, you know, that sort of in, instance is what creates uh, hazard in that, that area around that person. And we want to reduce that as much as possible. So if people are doing that universally or nearly universally, we're creating a safer environment for everybody just by restricting those droplets and, and getting less virus out there into, into that shared atmosphere, especially in the indoor space. Outdoors is a different story. You know, I don't really worry too much about outdoor experiences. 
you know, if someone's out on a trail or down walking down the sidewalk and there's nobody in sight, there's no reason to have to wear your mask. Uh, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. But we want people to have the mask with them so that, you know, if, if a group of people come up behind you and they're going to overtake you on the sidewalk, yeah, you should probably pop your mask on. Or, you know, if you're stopping at a, like a, a food truck or something like that and standing in line, it would probably be better to wear your mask. Or if you're outdoors at a farmer's market and there's people kind of milling around and coming in close to you and maybe you're going to be standing and, and talking to them for a while, you should probably be wearing a mask. Wear a facial cover. You know, and, and that's, the, that's the important thing is by when we say mask in this context, we don't necessarily mean an N95. We just want to have someone have a, you know, a well-designed or reasonably well-designed cloth facial covering, something to just cut down those droplets as they come out of your mouth and your nose because you're, you're protecting the people around you as much as yourself. Well, thanks for that, Warren. That's good clarification. I think it's good for people to know. And, you know, especially I think that one reminder about always carry it with you uh, because you never know when you may have to make that real quick stop into a gas station or Walmart or Safeway or, you know, whatever on your way home. Um, so if we can shift gears just real quick, right now we are in, um, what is it? Is it is it phase two of stage two of, of the reopening we're in stage two well we're sort of in modified stage two it's been pretty right. confusing because uh the governor's announcement about barber shops and and hair salons uh and places of worship brought some things from stage three into stage two and so now some people think we're in stage three technically we're in stage 2.5 or something like that so i i have heard that um, churches can, can reopen. You know, we've heard that, that barbershops are reopening. We've heard a lot of these different things. Um, but that's not exactly accurate right now. Is that correct? That's correct. It's a modified reopening for barbershops and salons. And it's, it's technically restricted just to hair cutting, hair services, hair coloring. It's not, they are asking that nobody try to do anything having to do with eyes, eyelashes, uh, manicures are not still not allowed. Um, they want to have a, a trial basis at least with just opening up the hair services with both the customer and the hairstylist wearing a face covering. And uh, for some people, they'll choose to wear an N95, and they probably should uh, if they can. You know, there's there's N95s out there on the shelves again, so people can pick them up and wear them if they go to their hairstylist. But the idea is that we just want to keep that face-to-face -face encounter as protected as possible. So they don't want to do anything that would involve taking that mask off even temporarily. So they've said no services for eyelashes, nothing like that that's complica more complicated, just just hair services for the moment. They're gonna look at it again, obviously. Um, you know, I think a lot of people obviously understand that you can do manicure with a plexiglass building in place. Uh, there's a lot of people come up with some really creative ideas for doing that and I have a lot of validity. The state just wasn't ready to open up everything all at once in that particular business. But, you know, it, it gives them a start. It gives them time, time to come up with plans about what they're going to do. That's really what we're asking is we want to see some written documents that show that they've put some thought into how they're going to manage this. I don't think it's going to be a big stretch for the barbershops and hair salons because as an industry, they have some pretty high standards for cleanliness that they have to maintain all the time. And they've been pointing that out and they're absolutely right. You know, I, I don't doubt that. I think, you know, the main thing is going to be extra cleaning and, and wearing facial coverings and, and they'll be good. 
Well, you know, you had talked about, you know, hair coloring and haircuts and things like that. I, I need some hair addition, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> I'm right there with you, Jeff. <laughs> you mentioned so, you mentioned church services, by the way, and I, I probably should not forget to talk about that a little bit. You sure. Know, places of worship have some uh, capacity restrictions, and there's a lot of guidance that they that the state wants them to put into their reopening plans. And the reason, of course, is because we had some really horrible stories about, you know, church services that went badly with people getting multiple people getting infected or choir practices that were documented elsewhere where they had nearly everybody in the room get infected. That was back before we had social distance measures put in place, before people were wearing face coverings, before a lot of what we're doing was done. We just know how bad it can be if, if those steps aren't taken. So as long as the, the places of worship come up with good plans for cleanliness and social distance and screening and wearing face coverings, I think they can proceed and I think they have to try. I mean, we, we won't really know until we try these things how well they're gonna work. But I think with all those measures in place, the risk drops down dramatically as long as they're doing it consistently. So I've seen some really good plans from some of our local places of worship. I mean, they're just extraordinarily well thought out. And the state has released their own guidance documents. And, you know, it's going to help a lot of people going forward. I, I think some of, the, some of the churches around here are, are opening relatively soon. Some are putting it off for a while to get every, all their ducks in a row. I think that's fine as well. Um, I, I'm just encouraging everybody to make sure they're, they're really doing as good a job as they can to protect their people. Yeah, thank you for that. And so just kind of as we close, you know, over the next... We know with the easing of certain restrictions, um, for us locally, you know, I, since I've moved up here, I've heard the term the Redwood Curtain. And I think the Redwood Curtain, like you said, has maybe slowed the transmission into our area a little bit. We've been a little bit um, insulated from what's going on. Um, we know that hotels and, and some of the short-term rentals are not open yet, but we also know that we're a big tourist town. Yes. Um, are, do you have any, um, we'll just say preliminary predictions about um, what we may see as we go into the summer or what we may see at the tail end of summer? Or is it really just a giant question mark? To some extent, it's still a question mark. I think we may get some better information after this next month. You know, we're coming up on June 1st here pretty soon. Um, I think if some of these other uh, relaxations of the staging at the at the uh, state level hadn't taken place, we might have had a little quicker action on some of these things. Um, we're working with the fact right now that we've discovered that you know if some of the hotels, at least, and maybe a few other uh, uh, rental organizations or rental services, have been taking people in that they probably should have screened a little bit better. Um, you know, that's. There are so many bookings that happen online. It's hard to know if somebody's there legitimately or not. Um, but we're trying to keep the, the volume of people moving into the, the county. At this point, we want to keep that down because we clearly have enough disease going around and we have enough relaxation of, of businesses that are that's going to promote, potentially promote some more disease transmission. We just don't want to get our system overwhelmed that we can't handle what we're dealing with. So we, we at a local level, I, I really think we need to take it slow at this point and give us some time to absorb the changes that we've seen so far. You know, we've opened up some retail. Um, we're opening up office businesses uh, under stage two. All these things are available now. 
and we're we're kind of going forward with it all at once and in a way that that's that's good but it's also a little bit intimidating because we we there is the potential that we're going to see some some effect of that in terms of volume of cases i think you know it's part of the process of learning to live with this virus is what our system will tolerate so right now i'd have to say no to opening up hotels and vacation rentals and Campgrounds, I personally think the campgrounds should be the first thing to open because I think by definition, they're the least risk. You know, they're outdoors and they're socially distanced by design. There's very little shared space. I mean, to me, that makes the most sense. I just don't think we're going to see anything yet from the state. But, you know, we've had so many things kind of dropped in our lap on short notice <laughs> from, from the state level that uh, I wouldn't be surprised if something changes by next week. So just everybody has to stay tuned. Yeah, they, they've been pretty notorious about dropping new orders and new guidance at five and six o'clock on Friday afternoons. <laughs> well, it, it's become a bit of a, a recurring theme here. I hope it's not a habit with the state, but it has happened several times in your correct. <laughs> well, Warren, um, I, I think we're, we're about done with our time right now, but I think one piece of advice that we can all take away from our conversation today is... Um, Face masks are going to be critical and they're going to become part of what we do as a community in, for the foreseeable future. Yes. Well, I'd like them to be. And I think uh, most of my colleagues around the state would say the same thing. Yeah. But don't forget, we still need a hand wash. Happy birthday two times. <laughs> Make sure that we're covering coughs and sneezes appropriately and keep that kind of physical distancing to six feet when as much as humanly possible. Absolutely. And if you're a high-risk person, plan on staying home. Just plan on sheltering in place and keep that going till this thing's over. I, I, I can't stress that enough. The high-risk people are, are the ones we're most worried about. And if they can, if they can find a way to, to ride this out and stay at home during the whole time, uh, their best, that's their best protection. And you know, whatever is going on in the community, if it doesn't affect them, they're, they're gonna be far better off. Great, Warren. So again, Dr. Warren Raywalt, County Public Health Officer. Warren, thank you so much. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you in the future. Thank you, Jeff. Good to talk to you again.